0: If you will, look at verse 14. Verse 14 is a very familiar verse. A lot of times this verse is used at Christmas time. But uh, there's a great truth in here that I want to draw out and bring to your attention. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Praise God that the Father sent His Son to this world. We wouldn't have the free gift of salvation if Jesus had not come. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father. Then I want you to notice this phrase, full of grace and truth. Jesus Christ, the Word, became flesh. And the Bible here says that Jesus was full of grace and He was full of truth. This morning I want to speak a message entitled this, Balance. Balance balance. And I'll explain that here in just a moment. Dear Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that you'll be with me today. Lord, I can't do this without you. I need your strength. I need your power. I need most definitely the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. I need the filling of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, I pray that you'll bless your word today and bless everybody that hears this message here this morning. And Lord, may we not go away without the Word of God being received gladly in that of our hearts. So help us here today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You know, when one reads that of the four Gospels, of course, we know that the four Gospels contains about the life, the ministry, and the history of that of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I I like what I heard one man say, and I've heard this many times, when you ever use the word history, you do understand it is his story. And when you come to the four Gospels, and you read the four Gospels, whenever Jesus would encounter certain individuals, that some of these individuals were moved to say something about Jesus that was really a great truth about Jesus Himself. For example, in Mark chapter 1, the Lord Jesus comes across a man who is possessed by an unclean spirit. And when this unclean spirit knows who is standing before him, here's what a demon, now listen, this will blow your mind. A demon says this about Jesus. He says, I know thee who thou art, the Holy One of God. Now I want you to think about that. Satan and his demons, they know exactly who Jesus is. By the way, that's why Satan works so hard to blind the eyes of that the lost. Because they don't want to see Jesus for who He truly is. How that He is God, that He is the Holy One. That's why He's blinding their heart and in their minds. Lest they see the glorious light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course this week, we, we know this as that of Passion Week. And we know what Jesus went through and how that Jesus stood before Pilate And even Pilate was so impressed by the Lord Jesus that he says this, he says, I find no fault at all in this man. So, of course he would find no fault. Why? Because he's the Holy One. He is God Almighty. Then we read a little bit later, also during the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ, how that a centurion, the one who was in charge of the soldiers who nailed Jesus to the cross of Calvary, that when Jesus was hanging on that cross and when He witnessed that of the earthquake and those things that, that were done and how that fear was greatly felt, here's what He said, Truly, this was the Son of God. But the verse that we read here today, I believe, gives us an insight of one of the greatest statements and one of the greatest truths of who Jesus is. How that Jesus was full of grace, and how that Jesus was full of truth. You know, uh, when God created mankind, God chose three ways to reveal Himself. I am so glad that God chose to reveal Himself. God could have chosen to create it all that there is and then have set that aside and then have hid Himself in obscurity and could have chosen to have never to have revealed Himself. But He did reveal Himself. One of the ways He revealed Himself was through the skies. You know, when you and I go out on a, a beautiful evening, and one of the things that I enjoyed last night after the service is when we walked out and we saw that of the full moon and saw that of the stars and the heavens, and, and then able to see the beauty that you have here. See, what you have here in the desert, we don't have out in the east. We have that of, uh, of mountains and rivers and things, but here is so beautiful and to see the flowers in their bloom. But, you know, when one looks at the nature and one looks at the skies, no one can go away without knowing there is a God. See, I'm a person that believes there's no such thing as an atheist. I don't believe there's an atheist. I believe everybody knows, according to Romans 1, there is a God, and one of those ways is by His creation. By the skies He has revealed Himself. I wrote this down, number two, by Scripture. Thank God for the Word of God. He has chosen to reveal Himself with that of every dot and every jot and every tittle of that of God's Word. We know about God because He wanted to express it in His Word. But the greatest way that God chose to reveal Himself is through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, there are many reasons Jesus came. Ultimately, the main reason He said from His own lips, "...I have come to seek and to save that which was lost." But we know who Jesus is because He left His throne of glory, stepped over Jupiter and Mars, and stepped into this world. And as the Word of God says, He took on flesh. He became 100% man without any sacrifice to that of being 100% God. The incarnation. And John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes a very small but yet very significant statement that I want to magnify how that Jesus was full of grace and how that Jesus was full of truth. Now, I don't know if you've ever noticed that statement, but among that of where, what the demon said that Jesus is the Holy One, among what Pilate said, I find no fault at all in Him, among that of what the centurion said, truly this was the Son of God, you could put right up there that Jesus is full of grace and that Jesus is full of truth. In other words, Jesus was balanced. He was balanced. Now, does not the Word of God teach us that we're to be just like Jesus? Does not the Word of God in Romans 8, and of course, we, everybody knows verse 28 that all things work together for good. But in the very next verse, the Bible tells us that we have been predestined to be conformed into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, God's will for your life is to be just like Jesus. We're to walk like Jesus, talk like Jesus, act like Jesus, have an attitude like Jesus. And by the way we're to be balanced like Jesus. Just as Jesus was full of grace and just as Jesus was full of truth, we're to be full of grace and we're to be full of truth. Now, by the way, that's not an easy thing to be. It is not an easy thing to be. By the way, did you notice the word full? Not 50% grace, not 50% truth. Not 75% of this and maybe 80% of that, but 100% full of grace and full of truth. Well, with that thought here today, I want to talk about how that you and I ought to be full of grace and full of truth and to be balanced because I'm here to tell you there's an awful lot of organizations, there's an awful lot of churches, there's an awful lot of born-again believers that are not balanced. And as a result, it has brought chaos in this world. So with the short time we have left here together, I just want to share three simple points here. And, and, and can I encourage you to listen very carefully? You know, you know, you have an honor and a privilege as students of West Coast Baptist College to come to not only to study in the classrooms, to be under that of professors, but to me, I remember when I was in Bible college, I was a student at Tennessee Temple University uh, some many years ago, along with my roommates, Abraham Lincoln and uh, Ulysses S. Grant and uh, across the hall, that of uh, Robert E. Lee, we, we, we would attend that of uh, uh, classes. But to me, my most favorite time was to come into that chapel and to listen to various preachers who've come all across America, some very great preachers, some very famous preachers, some who are home with the Lord even now, and I want to tell you, my favorite part of Bible college was that of chapel. And you've heard some great preachers here at this, from this very pulpit. And uh, don't ever take that for granted. I still remember to this day. I don't remember an awful lot of things in college and classes, but I always remember that at chapel. And so listen to me here today. I've got three things that I want to talk about here today. Number one, I want to talk about this. Let's talk about this. The compassion of grace The compassion of grace. You see, we just read here that Jesus is full of grace. Full of grace. Now, by the way, I don't think this is coincidental. I think this is very fundamental. That by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the very first thing that He says about Jesus is this. He's full of grace. He mentions that first. The reason I say that is because He's trying to communicate to the Jew here. And if there's one thing that the Jew was all about, it was about truth. Truth. I mean, I mean, their whole life was truth. It's truth in the morning, truth in the evening, truth of that through all that of the day. Their whole life was about truth. Their whole history was about truth. The the Old Testament was about truth. To them, the law was truth. The Ten Commandments was truth. The regulations that they they would put into place about what you can eat and not eat and various things about that of your day, it was all about truth. The rules, the sacrifice, it was all about truth. They were constantly about truth. But John wants to get across to them, Jesus was full of truth. Look at verse 17, if you will, here in your passage here. Here's what John says. For the law was given by Moses. See, John's reminded them, you're about truth. Truth, truth, truth. But then here's what he says. But grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. You know, when one looks at the life of Jesus, one cannot walk away without understanding that Jesus was about grace. He was full of grace. Did you know everywhere he went, people were touched by his love? They were touched by his concern. They were touched by his care. People felt wanted. People felt welcomed. By the way, the Pharisee would never give that attitude across to that of people. They would always look down their nose. They would always find fault in that of people. But Jesus was full of grace. Maybe that's why children were drawn to Jesus. Maybe that's why the lepers would flock to Jesus and the publicans and the harlots and the sinners would would feel welcomed in that of the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to know why? He was full of grace. He was full of kindness. He was full of concern. You see, Jesus would touch the untouchable. Nobody would dare touch a leper except Jesus would. Jesus would love the unlovable. Jesus would reach the unreachable. Why? Because He was full of grace. And it showed through His compassion. You know, one of the criticisms that that was constantly given to the Lord Jesus Christ was this, that He would constantly was associating Himself with sinners. The Pharisees would criticize Jesus for this. But you know, He not only would, would associate, He would eat with them, he would converse with them. He would hang around with them. We even learned from John chapter 4 that Jesus would even go out of His way to meet with that of sinners. By the way, aren't you glad that Jesus did that? Because I want to tell you, I'm a sinner that Jesus sought after. And the reason Jesus sought after me, hear me and hear me well, is because Jesus was full of grace. By the way, aren't you glad Because I'm here to tell you, if Jesus was not full of grace, where would we be? We would all be headed to that of a damnable hell for that of eternity. eternity. And I, I thank God for His grace. I'm so glad that the songwriters decided to write a song. Not only does He have grace, it is amazing grace. Marvelous grace. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ was full of grace. But hold on. Do you not remember what is the emphasis of this sermon? If Jesus is full of grace, we need to be full of grace. If we're going to be balanced in life, one of the things that needs to be true about our life is this. We need to be kind. We need to be compassionate. We need to be caring. We need to be concerned. See, I say that because there's an awful lot of places they don't ever show kindness. They don't show love. Then they wonder why they're not winning people to that of the Lord Jesus Christ. You, you've heard this saying, it's not new to any of us here, but you've heard this before, people don't care how much you know. They just want to know how much you care. You know, you know I, my daughter, uh, uh, leading up to the hunt, and would constantly in our conversations that we would have with her on, on a weekly basis, she would say, pray for us when it comes to that of the hunt. And she would talk about how that the, they were trying to reach out to that of uh, the boys and girls and to the communities and trying to present Christ. And she would talk about her uh, uh, um, ministry on Saturdays with that of the various parks. And, and, and she would talk about this child and that child and she would know them by name. And, and, and she would just talk about how that uh, she just loved them and cared for them. And you could tell by the quiver in her voice and the tears that was running down her cheek, that she loved those boys and loved those girls. Last night after the service, she wanted to take us to that of the cactus uh, patch kids uh, that she works with, and she wanted us to meet these children because she loves those kids. Can I tell you, that's the way we ought to be. We need to be full of grace. The compassion of grace. Then secondly here, let me talk about this. Not only talk about the compassion of grace, let's talk about this. Jesus was also full of conviction of truth. The conviction of truth. You see, yes, Jesus was full of grace. People felt at ease around Him. They loved to be around Him. They felt wanted in His presence. But the Bible also says, not only was He full of grace, He was full of truth. You see, His grace did not come at the expense of truth, nor did the truth come at the expense of grace. And again, may I remind you, He was full! Full! 100% grace, but at the same time, 100% truth. You see, I say that because every time Jesus would meet somebody, He would meet them with His compassion of grace, but at the same time, He also met them with His conviction of truth. Now, now, listen to me. I say that because you know and I know there are churches all across America, even across this globe, that miss the mark. There are an awful lot of churches that, in reality, they're all about grace. All about grace. Grace, grace, grace. Goodness, kindness, love. But they're not about truth. I'm not going to dare mention any names. I would never mention the name of anyone like Joel Osteen. I would never say anything like that. (laughs) But you know and I know that some of those churches, they've made it publicly known, we want to stay on the positive side. We never want to preach the negative. We never want to preach against sin. We never want to preach against what is right and wrong. In fact, you know and I know there's an awful lot of churches, they're about... Uh, They're like this. Listen, you want the best from God. You want God's blessings. God wants to bless you. You can have the best in life. By the way, they always seem to slip this in. If you'll put in your seed money. You ever notice that? Put your seed money in and then God will bless you. And it's amazing how you always have to write the check out to their organization. That's the way it is. But they never ever want to talk about, hey, that we're sinners. In desperate need of a Savior, and that there's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, but we must put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Because to them, to say that we're a sinner is negative. And folks, they may be full of grace, but they are so lacking when it comes to truth. You see, their philosophy is this you're okay, I'm okay, God's okay, let's have a big old huge group hug. Well, I'm here to tell you. Jesus was full of truth. See, even though Jesus would love people and care about people, He still preached against sin. He still said there's a right and there still is a wrong. He still told them how to make things right. Friends, we need to understand, we're living in a world today, they don't want the truth. That's why they constantly want to say that truth is relative. And, and by the way, one of their favorite words is tolerance. What they mean by the, that is this. You need to be tolerant about our truth, but we won't be tolerant about your truth. That it's all about tolerance. And they don't want to talk about what is right. and They don't want to talk about what is wrong. See, we've got a world today. They want a God without wrath, who brings men without sin into a kingdom without judgment, by Christ without a cross, Well, folks, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Hey, Jesus preached more about hell than he ever did about heaven. He still preached that, listen, there are two ways, a broad way and a narrow way. And if you take the broad way, it will lead to destruction. But if you take the narrow way, it will lead to life everlasting. He talked about how that you can build your life one of two ways, on shifting sand or on that of solid rock. That if you build your life on that of shifting sand, that when the trials and troubles come, that your life will not be able to stand against the storms of life. But if you build your life on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, that when the trials and the troubles come, you still can stand. He told the truth, He stood firm, He had compassion of grace. But at the same time, he had a conviction of truth. While I'm at it, let me just say this. There still is a right and there still is a wrong. There are still some things we should do and there are some things that we should not do. There still is a right path and there is a wrong path. And just like Jesus, we should preach the truth. By the way, one of the most loving, gracious things that a person can ever do is tell somebody the truth. Jesus was full of grace. But at the same time, Jesus was full of truth. He was balanced. And we need to be balanced. Don't ever be afraid to tell people the truth. But you can tell the truth in love. Amen. But then I come to this lastly here. The combination of grace and truth. You know, when it came to my church, one of the things I want to tell my church is this. I want our church and I want this preacher to be balanced. I want us to be a church that reaches out to people kind and gracious and loving, but at the same time preach with conviction that this is the way that God says we're to be. This is, we're to preach that of truth. You see, the only way you and I can ever truly bring someone to the Lord Jesus Christ is that grace and truth must work together. They must work together. Because listen to me, I want you to hear me. If there's anything that you remember here today is for the next few moments, I need you to listen very carefully. Because listen, anytime you have grace without truth, you become deceptive. I'm afraid an awful lot of these places who preach this prosperity type gospel, who want to say that if, that if you want God to bless you, but they never talk about being a sinner and the need for repentance and humbling oneself, There's going to be an awful lot of people who are going to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and here's what what Jesus is going to say to them. Just as He said in Matthew chapter 7, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord. And then they talk about all the wonderful things they've done. you remember what Jesus' response is going to be? I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of iniquity. So, grace without truth is deceptive, but truth without grace is defective. Is defective. I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a moment, but let me just show you on the screen what happens when both are combined. For example, here's what grace says grace says, I love sinners, but truth says, I hate sin. Hey, grace says, God is love. But truth says God is holy. Hey, grace says redemption is possible. But truth says repentance is necessary. Grace says anybody can come to God. But truth says, but you must come through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hey, grace says, I love you just the way you are. But truth says, I love you too much to let you stay that way. Hey, grace says salvation is for all who desire it. But truth says judgment is for all who don't. Grace says there's a heaven and you can go there. But truth says there's also a hell and you can go there. Hey, grace says you're saved by grace through faith. Amen. But truth says faith without works is dead. See, grace and truth must work together. They must be balanced. In fact, let me do this. Let me give you some spiritual equations, and I'll be the first to admit, I hate spiritual equations. (laughs) Because sometimes it may oversimplify, but listen, there's some great truth I want you to learn here. First of all, grace minus truth equals this, liberalism. You know all those churches we're talking about that it's all grace, 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 and very, very little truth? Have you ever noticed they're always the liberal churches? They're the churches who want to push this sin and push that sin and say, we ought not to be concerned with those sins. They're the ones who want to tell you, hey, you can have Christ, but you don't need to give up that of your wicked and sinful lifestyle. You can still have your drugs, you can still have your alcohol, and you can still have that of your immorality, that you can live any old way you want to. Here's another uh, uh, spiritual equation. Truth minus grace equals this, legalism. Legalism, where, where you must live by this set of rules and if you don't, that maybe you're not a born-again believer. Hey, can I tell you one of the things that the Word of God does teach us, there is a right way and a wrong way. And by the way, I am a person who, I love rules. I like rules. It, they, they help you, they guide you, they guard you. Don't ever, ever complain about the rules. One of the things I told my daughter when she came to school here, I said, listen, when you come here to West Coast, you make sure you obey the rules because those rules are there for a purpose. They're there to help you. They're help to guide you. But folks, you and I know the Christian life is not about a set of rules. It's about a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen to that? So, grace minus truth is liberalism. Truth minus grace equals legalism. But grace plus truth equals liberty. Liberty. That's why we need to be balanced. Jesus Christ Himself says, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you what? Free. free. I'm free in the Lord Jesus Christ. You say, Free to do what? To please Him, to live for Him to honor Him, to lift up the name of Jesus, to make Him the preeminent one in that of our life. You say, Preacher, that's all good, and that all sounds like good classroom theology. How does that carry out in the Christian life? I'm glad you asked. Look, if you will, in John chapter 8. You're not far from there. If you know John chapter 8, especially in the beginning, Jesus was in the Mount of Olives, and then the Bible says that He comes to the temple... So in other words, Jesus comes to the house of God. And while Jesus is at the house of God, a group of religious individuals, some religious men, brought a woman and threw her at the feet of Jesus who had been caught in the very act of adultery. Now, by the way, here's something I say every time when I talk about this story. Where was the man? Why is the lady brought? Because she was caught in the very act so where's the individual? Of course, we know the answer. These men say, or these men, these men come, and their whole purpose was to trap, to tempt that of the Lord Jesus Christ. These men say this to Jesus... You, we know what the law says. We know what Moses says, that this woman ought to die. And by the way, I think in their hands they had the very rocks ready to throw at this woman to, to, to execute her because of, uh, of her act of adultery. And, and it, what say ye? You remember what Jesus did? Remember how that Jesus knelt down and Jesus started to write in the sand? And by the way, nobody knows what Jesus wrote. I know an awful lot of people Theorize, an awful lot of people offer suggestions. But listen, nobody knows what Jesus wrote. But I do know that as soon as He wrote it, He looked up and He says, He who is without sin cast the first stone. How many of y'all have ever heard someone use that against you when you talk about their sin? Right? But then the Bible says that then Jesus wrote again, and again we still don't know what He wrote. Boy, I'm I'm looking forward to the day to find out what Jesus wrote. But the Bible does say this, that all those men were convicted in their heart. I can see it now that they dropped that stone and they walked away. By the way, you know what they should have done? They should have bowed down at the feet of Jesus and confessed that He was the Christ. But they didn't. But you remember, look at verse 10. Here's what the Bible says. When Jesus had lifted up Himself and saw none but the woman, He said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She says, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Now notice this. Neither do I condemn thee. What's that? Grace. That's God's grace. By the way, When you and I became born-again believers, when we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, we're no longer condemned. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, right? Uh, 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 Romans, there's therefore now no condemnation. He was bestowing His grace. I'm so. By the way, He's not condoning what she did. He just says, neither do I condemn thee. That can only be done by the grace of God. But notice then what He says. He doesn't stop there. Here's what He says. Go and sin no more. You know what that was? Truth. Here's what he's done. He says, listen, listen, I'm not going to condemn you. And the reason I'm not going to condemn you is I am showing you my grace. Why? Because Jesus was full of grace. But then he goes on and says, but listen, don't you live that way anymore. Because of my grace, I have forgiven you. Because of my grace, you're no longer condemned. Because of my grace, your life has been changed. Now, go and live the truth. Go and sin no more. Friend, I want you to understand, the point of this whole sermon here today is this. We need to be the same way. Hey, preacher boys, men, and I don't use that derogatory... You men who are studying to be in the ministry, whether it's pastor, assistant pastor, missionary, whatever it may be, when you get in the ministry, don't you get lopsided where it's always grace but very little truth. Never get to the point where it's always truth but very ever little grace. Because I'm here to tell you, if you ever do that, your ministry will either be deceptive or defective. And you don't want that. Hey, ladies, one of the kindest things you can ever do is show people that you love Christ and you love them, but at the same time, we need to tell them the truth of who they are, that they need Christ, that they're a sinner, and they need to receive that of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen?